Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This is Jason Gewurz, Vice President of the North Star Meetings Group Sports Division and the Executive Editor and Publisher of Sports Travel. And our guest on this episode is Bryce Morgan, the President of the PPA, the Professional Pickleball Association, one of the leading professional tours in the fast-growing sport, and one that recently announced a merger with competing tour Major League Pickleball. We'll talk about the tour's events, the future of pickleball-specific venues, gambling on the sport, and more. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Shovel Podcast is being sponsored by IMAX America. Want to discover the latest global sports venues, try out new technologies, and meet industry colleagues from around the world? Come to the must-attend show for sports event organizers. That's IMAX America, taking place October 17th through the 19th at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. For more information, visit IMAXAmerica.com. And now, on to the conversation. Like many elements of the incredibly fast-growing sport of pickleball, the PPA Tour does not yet have a long history, but its growth has also been very much on the upswing. Today, the Tour offers 24 events nationwide and a prize purse exceeding $5 million. Carvana is on as a title sponsor, and interest on all levels in the Tour continues to rise. Recent months have also seen the signing of a slate of professional players, many of who are former tennis stars like Sam Query, Jack Sock, and Jeannie Bouchard, to name a few. The recently announced merger with Major League Pickleball, an entity that has taken more of a team approach, also promises to grow the pie. And the PPA Tour recently became the first league to allow gambling on matches, opening the sport to a new audience of potential bettors on the action. In this conversation, we chat with the Tour's president, Bryce Morgan, about where the Tour has been, where it's headed and trends the PPA is watching by way of venue development, site selection, participation rates, and more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Bryce Morgan, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great, great to have you on here and great to talk about a sport that we always enjoy talking about and especially the last couple of years have enjoyed talking about even more as we've watched what has been happening with pickleball. Bryce, you, of course, are with the PPA, one of the uh, professional tours out there in pickleball. There's been a lot of movement over the years, uh, last couple of years as participation rates have gone up and it's been tremendous just you know watching some of the evolution at the highest level of the sport, uh, which we've been tracking as well. So uh, you know, very much looking forward to chatting with you for a few minutes here today on the on the PPA and where it's been and where it's going. And I think, you know, Bryce, it might be good to start there. You know, our audience, of course, is familiar with several of the groups that are out there doing things at the professional level, but tell us a little bit, maybe start with kind of the origin story, if you will, of the of the PPA. Uh, how it began and and where you are right now. Yeah, for sure. And you've been covering pickleball for some time now. So you've probably seen the some crazy, crazy growth in the sport. But yeah, the PPA first came came about in 2019. Connor Pardo and his family, you know, big tennis family, their family started getting to pickleball, saw the allure that was going on and thought, hey, we could throw a couple tournaments ourselves. And so I got brought into it because I did some work for their other businesses on the marketing side. And, you know, long story short, this this grew a lot faster than I had expected. Super excited to be around with it. But now we're about 24 tournaments a year, five and a half million dollars in prize payout for pros. We have about 60 contracted pros under contract with us. And then about on average, a thousand players, amateur players per event at our events, you know, across across the country. And these are usually consistently sold out for uh, spectators as well to come watch the pros play. So it's a unique sport in that angle, you know, the, the watching, the playing and the professional side. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit because I do think that's interesting uh, as well. We don't see that in all sports, uh, particularly at the professional level where there are opportunities for amateurs to be involved uh, as well. There has been a lot of movement on the professional space, uh, Bryce. In fact, uh, the PPA Tour, just uh, right before we're recording this broadcast, announced uh, you know a partnership and a merger with uh, Major League Pickleball, one of the other groups out there. Let's just talk about that briefly uh, as well. That was some big news for you and something that's been in the works for a while. But there are a number of groups out there uh, that have been doing professional pickleball. And I-, I think it's just kind of a natural evolution that at some point there would be some partnerships here or, or consolidation. Yeah, Jason, you said it best. I mean, we've known the people over at the MLP for some time now. Uh, good people have a really good vision for pickleball as well. We're really excited to move forward with our merger with those guys. Uh, it's really going to streamline the professional sport side of the sport. It's going to help fans understand what's going on better. It's going to help pros, pros understand what's going on better. And it just happened. There's a lot to integrate. And so there's going to be a lot more details coming out, you know, over the next couple of weeks. So you'll have a lot more to write about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure. And they're, uh, they're, they're designed uh, slightly different, I think, from than what the PPA is doing with events as well. I think everyone's kind of got their own place in the space, it seems. Yeah, well, we're excited to see kind of where that all vets out together. So, yes, yeah, stay tuned on that one. <laughs> Excellent. Well, a lot more to come there. Let's talk uh, for a, a minute, uh, stay on the pro side of things. You guys have been signing uh, some interesting players. A lot of professional tennis players now are coming over as well. Uh, people who are sort of known entities uh, in professional tennis who are now switching over to pickleball. That must be kind of interesting for you guys to watch that evolution and and see some opportunity there maybe for some names that people recognize on the tennis side. I mean, obviously pickleball is starting to get plenty of its own players that are known specifically for pickleball, but that's been interesting for us to watch as well as we, you know, see some of those names cross over. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the pros that household names today in pickleball, people know a lot of them came from tennis, but yeah, you, you mentioned a couple more names that you've seen kind of started last year. We started to see some Donald Young, some uh, Jack Sock, some other names kind of dabble in the sport. Now that the prize money's growing, the sport's growing, the viewership's growing, we see more and more of those tennis pros coming over. So we're really excited to see those players that really want to play in the PPA Tour uh, come and compete and showcase their skills. The game obviously translates pretty well. It's a different game. Doubles is obviously more popular in pickleball. But we're excited to see those players come and compete on the tour and bring some new viewership and you know see how that translates for a full tour season next year. Yeah, we've been writing a lot over, certainly over the last couple of years, just about participation growth in general. I mean, we know all the stats and, and the fastest growing sport by participation, you know, for the last couple of years here in the US. But I'm curious, Bryce, if you've seen, I guess, a comparable level of interest on the spectator side of things when we're talking about some of the events that you're, that you're producing and, and going around with. Are you noticing that trend as well, as far as the interest in people you know, being at a live event, watching the best in the world compete? Well, for sure. And the biggest surprise has actually been, you know, in the, the old days, the early days, 2020 of the PPA Tour, a lot of the spectators and fans were the players as well in the tournament. And that's kind of changing. They obviously still make up part of that spectating audience and buying courtside tickets to watch the, the main events. But we're seeing that outsiders who aren't even playing in the tournament come in and watch, buy tickets, stay for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and watch the events. So, you know, some quick stats on that is year over year attendance has grown 238%. Wow. Um, that's the ticket side. So the ticket side, you know, we used to have to put a little bit of marketing muscle behind it and make sure people know that we we're coming, you know, obviously still working on that. So people are aware of the pro sport and the growth of it, but that's happened a lot more organically. Uh, yeah. 238% growth in anything is a pretty substantial number, but that is a, uh, that's incredible. I think your team's pretty excited. They probably take too much credit for it, but it's uh, <laughs> we'll let them have it. Well, let's talk a little bit about your events. You mentioned uh, 24 events, you know, at the moment on on the tour. So, Bryce, what do those look like? I mean, where are 
typically where are those events being held? Let's start with that. What what kinds of venues are your events uh, at the moment, at least in? Yeah, for sure. There's really kind of two schools of thoughts. The first one doesn't really exist nationwide yet. You know, a pickleball only facility or a pickleball place with enough pickleball courts to have an event. Um, those are starting to pop up, but a lot of our events are held at tennis centers. We come in, convert those tennis centers. More and more tennis centers have pickleball courts anyway. So we'll come in, we'll identify a pickleball facility that runs events, that has championship court seating, that has areas for vendors, that's easily accessible via airports, that has nice hotels nearby. So we'll identify these venues, chat with them, see if they want to bring something new to their venue. You know, one that kind of pops, you know, from the first year is the Lifetime in Peachtree Corners. Um, awesome, beautiful, beautiful facility. They used to host a lot of uh, tennis tournaments. They still host a handful. But the first year we went, they didn't have any pickleball courts. This last year when we returned in 2023, they had 16 or 20 permanent pickleball courts that were already there before we came in and resurfaced more and built championship courts. So these tennis facilities uh, have really lent themselves well to hosting these events. You know, they can handle mass number of fans, mass number of players, and have some... Uh, some of the luxuries and items that we need, you know, locker rooms for the pro players. That makes sense. And so uh, talk to us a little bit uh, about what the structure of those events look like as well, Bryce. You mentioned that amateurs have the opportunity to be part of some of your events as well. So what does a typical tournament weekend look like yeah. or, you know, what, what's being offered? A typical tournament usually starts on a Wednesday. Um, that's kind of the opening ceremony, so to speak, of these tournaments. You'll see a lot of pro player qualification rounds, some early rounds for amateurs. You know, we, we have two different facets. Well, three different facets of each of these tournaments. One is pro players. Wednesday, you'll have qualifiers. Uh, if you think you're a pro and it's your chance that you're local, you come in and see if you can qualify for the main draws. Thursday would be singles usually. Friday would be mixed doubles. Saturday would be gender doubles. And then Sunday's kind of our crowning jewel, the championship Sunday. So you'll see all five gold medal matches, usually from about 10 to 6 o'clock on a Sunday. The second facet of that is the amateur players. Um, amateur players bring a lot of excitement, energy, uh, we're known to have some of the more competitive tournaments around the country. So you'll see some of the best amateurs come out and compete in their own rights. Um, you know, that, that ranges from 800 players to 1,500, 1,600 players we've had at tournaments before. So they'll play all week long as well. And then that last piece is obviously the fans, which we've talked, we've, we've touched on already. Yeah, and it uh, touches on, uh, I guess, both ends that we were discussing earlier. Their participation growth, I imagine, lends itself to a potentially larger draw for amateurs as as your events. Move oh, 100%. On with more people playing and like juniors are coming in to play more and you know family socials and clinics it, it's becoming a full you know pickleball festival week at these venues yeah i mean that's one of the things that's amazed us i guess over the last few years when we were first writing about pickleball uh you know years back it did seem like something when we would write about it it was more you know this is an opportunity for the more senior set to be involved in a sport and you know now of course what we're seeing is it's all ages across the board which is one of the most interesting evolutions i think that we've seen on pickleball when it comes to, you know, this competitive end of the, of the market. Well, that's just such an easy game to pick up. I always say I can play with my grandma, my daughter, and my mom at the same time. And it's not, <laughs> that'd be fun to play that way. And that's what it is. So that, that would be a fun devil's match uh, for you. I imagine yeah, it would be right in your own right. I mean, it's, it's different, but you know, you go play around a golf like that. It probably wouldn't be as fun or tennis even worse. Right. Well, uh, let me go back to your site selection pro process. You mentioned obviously you're in uh, tennis centers where where you can be, and that makes that makes sense if you can convert them and you've got uh, seating as well. It, are there any, I guess, standards, Bryce, that the team there looks at when you're considering a potential venue? Uh, is it is it just availability for for starters, or you know, I'm curious what makes a what makes a good host for you, or what goes into those discussions as you're figuring out where you might go next? 
Honestly, this this one's kind of funny. It's not as important in 2023 or 2024 as it used to be, but excited about pickleball is one. In 2019 and 2020, there was quite a bit of opposition to the idea. and They weren't sure if, you know, pickleball was going to outrun tennis. I think it's ended up being good for the sport of tennis. So first is excited about pickleball. Um, people who know that pickleball is bringing excitement, youth, people, fans. If somebody's excited about pickleball, we want to talk to them. You know, the other items that matter are, are number of courts. If they have a number of pickleball courts already established, uh, amateur players will like the more pick courts you can get, the more uh, the more amateur players are going to come. Uh, working with sports commissions, uh, CVBs really help as well. Um, I have experience to know where we can go, where we can have a great tournament. We just did one at Overland Park in Kansas. It was awesome. it was an awesome event. You know, our, our team I think helped. I think maybe they reached out to us, but it was probably one of the best fan favorite and amateur player tournaments we've ever had. It was an area that loves pickleball, a lot of enthusiasm for the sport. The city really helped with some of the logistics and made the event that much better. So I would say, yeah, obviously facility, you, you need a, a lot of pickleball or tennis courts. Uh, number two is if they're excited about pickleball. And then number three is really just getting the community or sports commissions involved. Yeah. Have you noticed over the years, Bryce, that the CVBs have been more interested in having those conversations with you? I mean, I would think oh, when you're talking to a tennis center, that's one relationship, but uh, I'm curious what that evolution has been like from that particular side of the world, the sports commissions and CVBs interested in having those conversations with you. Yeah. Back in 2019, uh, Connor Pardo had most of those conversations, but in 2020, I started to see how that was happening and people would definitely keep you at arm, arm's length and not sure what pickleball was going to do to their facility or how people are going to react that were locals or, or members at a certain facility and now we have a lot of inbound leads of people asking us to you know work together and how we can bring an event to their facility and that makes it a lot more exciting right if somebody wants to work on something with you and make it great and again i go back to the overland park those people are fantastic they may have spent more energy and effort to bring the venue or the event to life than we did um, so kudos to those guys and you know hopefully we can re return there and run another event next year you're listening to the sports travel podcast this episode is being sponsored by imex america want to discover the latest global sports venues try out new technologies and meet industry colleagues from around the world come to the must attend show for sports event organizers that's imex america taking place october 17th through the 19th at mandalay bay in las vegas for more information visit imexamerica.com and now back to the conversation yeah, you announced earlier this year a partnership with USA Pickleball, an organization, of course, we're familiar with. Uh, they've got their national championships coming up in uh, in Dallas this year that you're involved with. What what's that relationship like for you, Bryce? And how important is that to have a relationship with a with a governing body? It's actually really nice. Obviously, we've chatted with them since the beginning. I think they were probably one of the first calls that Connor Pardo received when he started this. Um, we've had conversations with them, serious conversations every year. We usually try and align on the same page about rules and rule books and changes. We change things a lot. So back in the day, they probably were a, a little frustrated with us, but that relationship is just getting better and better all the time. Um, I know their new CEO really well, Mike Neely, Justin Maloof is a great guy over there. So we're always in conversations with them to figure out how we can best work together. We've always had an amicable relationship. And so when nationals came about of like, hey, we need a new place to host nationals, we were really excited to work with them and help run and fulfill this event with them. You know, it, it's very much their event, their name this year, but as a staff and as the, the things we have to help them run an event, we're super excited. Learned a lot about each other through working through nationals, but we think this is going to be the biggest and one of the best parties in pickleball we've ever seen. Excellent. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about, uh, you You touched on it, Bryce, earlier, this notion of pickleball-specific venues. We're certainly familiar with a few of them that are around. What are those conversations like for you guys on the tour 
about what the future might hold for those. Are you anticipating that as time goes on here, certainly if we see this you know, level of participation interest and, and spectator interest, is it your expectation that we'll start seeing more pickleball-specific venues? I think we will, but it's it's hard to right now economically. It's hard to open a pickleball facility with thirty or forty or fifty pickleball courts and make it economically sound or or viable. If you go to the local city park and there's two or four courts, are obviously always backed up and you can't have a court to play on. Um, but a membership model for thirty or forty courts is getting there, and people are getting there and they're figuring it out. So, so those venues don't really exist that much, um, and I think they I think they'll pop up more and more. And we have people reach out to us and ask us what you know what would make a great venue, what kind of perks do we need, what kind of layout do we need, what kind of tournament operations do we need. But you know something special about the PPA Tour is bringing a big tournament to some place that you don't always necessarily play. Like we've done one at the MGM Conference Room. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was it was a great event. We've done things at convention centers, um, come in and bring pickleball to where there was nothing before, right? So the Peachtree Corners in Lifetime, that's one of the fan favorite venues. It's it's historic. It's pretty. There's great landscaping. It has a different feel when you walk onto that venue. So I think there's always some kind of magic around that. So I'm not going to say that in 10 years, we're not going to be at pickleball-only facilities. <laughs> I just don't know if in 10 years, we'll have 24 pickleball facilities that are capable of holding these type of events. Right. And uh, I'm curious also from where you said, Bryce, what those conversations are like about the sport's incredible growth. I mean, we're seeing phenomenal numbers. We're sort of data nerds uh, on our end as well. So we track yeah. these numbers and and they're like almost silly numbers when you look at year over year growth and participation than almost anything else you know out there. But can it continue? I mean, what's what's the conventional thinking, at least of what that growth pattern looks like over the next few years? I mean, I, I I played pickleball one time before I was approached by Connor Pardo for this, so I had no idea what I was getting in store for. And I see these numbers and I see these growth numbers. I look back at our past projections of you know sponsorship, ticket sales, number of players, and every year those numbers just continue to grow. Um, so you know, there's no end in sight. Going back to the same example we gave earlier, playing with your mom, your grandma, and your daughter, like there's not a lot of sports like that. So more people that pick up a paddle and play, the more courts you see. The more investment you're seeing from partners on big venues. But yeah, so I mean, it, it's definitely growing like crazy. One of our partners, you know, back to nationals and USAP, um, invited is we do a lot of events that invited clubs around the country. They obviously manage golf courses and uh, country club, country clubs. They're putting in over $5 million in investment for the Brookhaven Country Club here in Dallas, Farmers Branch down here. So we're really excited to see, you know, we're actually seeing what that looks like. It's not that far off from being done. And it's a world class, beautiful facility for pickleball. And I think we'll see more and more of that because people love the sport. They're excited with what it brings, They're excited with what it brings to their facility or their country club or their park or their community. So yeah, I, I don't see why it would slow down. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned sponsorships. Let me ask you something real quick uh, on that. Yeah. I mean, you have a title sponsor for the tour. Are those conversations just much, much easier now than they would have been uh, you know, oh, even two uh, years ago? A hundred percent. I mean, there was a lot of outreach at the beginning and people are like, I'm not sure about this pickleball. Um, but as the sport's grown, people who you know love the sport want to be involved more in the sport. So you'll see a lot of inbound leads. Um, most of our leads are inbound of people that want to have their name affiliated with the Pro Tour, um, get some signage, get some awareness, and actually make the tour better. So most of our partners, that's one thing that's uh, sponsors anyways, and call them partners, that make this great is they really make the tour better. Um, you know, Hertz has made, leveled up the tour. You mentioned Carvana. Baird Wealth Management, uh, Chase Bank. There's a lot of big partners that have come in and actually made the tour better. Uh, it's not really just trading, you know, a dollar for a logo on the court, which is exciting. 
Yeah, I would imagine. So uh, just a couple other items to hit with you, uh, Bryce, I guess, forward looking. You guys also recently became the first uh, professional tour to announce a, a deal with a major sports book. There's there's betting now that's possible on the PPA tour. What's the response been so far to that news? <laughs> so I, I don't know all the numbers yet, but the response has been really exciting, right? I think it helps other people realize where their sport's growing and how much there is behind it. Uh, the numbers that were teased to me were pretty exciting. So if I get those and it'll uh, update it, I'll send those over to you for sure. But, you know, we went through a lot of training for players and staff. This is something new that the sport's never seen. But I think it's going to help just legitimize the pro sport, um, how fun it is to watch and how, you know, another way to get involved with the sport. Yeah, to me, it's uh, just another sign of the continual evolution here. Um, seems natural, but also interesting that it hasn't happened yet, but is is happening now. Yeah, another investment of time and money from other people that want to see the sport keep growing. Yeah. And and let me ask you this as well. We're obviously familiar with the growth that the sport has seen domestically here in the US. There's no question about that. But what's your sense on the international scene? I mean, does the, the tour have interest in going overseas? And are you sensing that there is a, as much interest or potential there internationally? We do. And we monitor that closely. We obviously have some software data and a lot of data to analyze this. Uh, a couple of our pros, you know, Catherine Prento, JWA. Um, Judah Castillo, there's a lot of pros that are coming from international countries. So they're obviously petitioning for us to go to their countries and have tournaments. So it's something we're weighing all the time. You know, our model is getting ticket spectators, amateur players, and pro players. So it, it will happen. We're going to uh, we're going to Canada next year in 2024. So it'll be the first one we're running um, a, pro, a pro stop outside the United States. But yeah, we're, we're always in conversations with that. And just waiting for that right moment to kind of pull that trigger. Right. Well, we've talked about a number of the things uh, up and coming, I guess, as we conclude here, Bryce. Uh, to, what should we look out for here in the, in the months to come from the PPA tour? What's uh, What are the opportunities ahead for you guys? I mean, go full circle. We're really excited about that merger with MLP and see how we can streamline the sport for fans, for pro players, uh, give a better storytelling piece to what's actually happening, who these players are. Oh, yeah. And the continuing of gambling, right? You already mentioned gambling. Gambling just started. So we're excited to see where that continues to go. But there's some there's a lot of new ways or a lot of new uh, news that's coming out shortly in terms of way of broadcasting uh, another way of bringing more people to watch um, and to interact with the sport. So we have we kind of have a, a trifecta of, of sorts of, of different ways of hitting this, and you'll you'll see a lot of this news quickly how we can continue to grow this sport. Yeah, no doubt. Well, these must be busy times for you and your staff. So uh, definitely appreciate you're taking some time to to chat with us. I think our audience is just as interested as anyone else and seeing where some of these events go uh, down the road, because as we've talked about from the beginning, the, you know, the growth the last couple of years has obviously been extraordinary, but it's, uh, it's beyond that. It's just interesting to see what's become with organizations like your own that are becoming you know, more structured and, and having events to, to put out there that can, that can travel around to cities. So it's, uh, it's very exciting to watch from, from our end, Bryce, and certainly wish you and, and your team the best of luck here in the months to come. We'd love to stay in touch and, and see where this all goes. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a blast running on and we're, we're right there with you. Excited to see where it continues to go. All right. Terrific. Thanks so much for your time, Bryce. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. This has been another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features regularly updated breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports events industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Gores for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.